Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Our guest today is one of our favorites, Wolverine.com editor Chris Ballas on our Michigan Game Day segment. First, a few of my thoughts to get us going. Jim Harbaugh and football are in South Africa, and from the pictures, tweets, and news coverage we've seen so far, they are having a great time together in that very beautiful country. Meanwhile, back here in Ann Arbor, the spring sports scene is winding down. Carol Hutchins and softball wrapped up another Big Ten regular season championship over the weekend, and baseball is still in the hunt with a few weeks left in their regular season. I'm not sure fans appreciate or even enjoy, as we should, the masterful job Carol Hutchins does with Michigan softball. The expectation each and every year now is that we win the Big Ten regular season and the tournament, then make a run in the NCAA and end the season, of course, in the College World Series. As Chris Ballas mentions on today's program, a lot of great names at U of M have said she is the best coach on the campus, period and it is hard to argue that point. The Big Ten Tournament gets underway for us in Bloomington on Friday, and let's hope it's the beginning of another big run for Michigan softball. My guest today is one of our favorites here on the show. Up next is the editor at TheWolverine.com, Chris Ballas, here on The Michigan Man, in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. us again on our game day segment this weekend it's been a while is the editor at the wolverine.com chris ballas great to have you back with us chris hey mike thanks for having me buddy spring practice is over uh, the team is in south africa this week uh, a trip like this once again we say it all the time what a great opportunity for these kids it really is and if you follow them on twitter we were hoping to go and i think a lot of the media was too but the logistics just didn't make sense it would have been like four days of travel, I think, to get them for three for three days. And you know what? We want to let them enjoy it, too. You know, last year when we were in Paris with them, it was fantastic, and at Normandy. But you know what? You'd see these kids, and they just kind of want to enjoy themselves and, and learn. And that's what Jim Harbaugh calls these. He says, we're going to let the world be our classroom and, and learning experiences, and that's exactly what they were. And watching these guys, they get a lot out of it. And uh, And – Seeing some of the tweets, Matt Dudek, the recruiting coordinator, and, and Ed Warner, the offensive line coach, saying we've never been in a more beautiful place on earth. He took a picture with his wife. It looks like uh, looks like they're having a great time. They were in Nelson Mandela's cell down there, and uh, some of the stuff they're learning and some of the stuff they're seeing is is unbelievable. And a lot of people ask, you know, how is this not an extra benefit? But I can promise you that they went through the proper channels. They went. And, and talk to the NCAA, whoever they needed to talk to about it, and uh, and certainly a great learning experience. And and one more thing, Mike, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, how is this going to help them beat Ohio State? Well, <laughs> this is one of those things where, you know what, 10 days is not going to kill anybody. 10 days to, to do something and, and to go out and, and see something like this is really a priceless experience. I think when people question uh, why the team is doing this and should they be doing it, I mean, in a university setting, there are study abroad programs for every other department. Yep. It's, this is not anything out of the ordinary. 
That's exactly right, and that's what they—that was their argument for it. They said, "Look, you know, other sports do this, and uh, and as long as there are learning opportunities for these kids afterwards, a couple, both of the last couple of years, kids stayed overseas and studied abroad, and and what an unbelievable experience! I would have loved to do that in college, and going back and thinking about things that you wish you would have done, the mm-hmm. the opportunity that these kids are getting uh, is unbelievable, and uh, and I give Jim Harbaugh a lot of credit for that, for thinking outside the box, because you know what, when he thinks outside the box, a lot of the time the NCAA is there to shoot him down, whether it's <laughs> going down to Florida and practicing at IMG Academy. And you know what, you're trying to level the playing field here against some of these schools that have no scruples when it comes to recruiting and everything else. Uh, and you got to continue to uh, to think outside the box, and I think that's what he's done here. But it's not just about recruiting. Yes, there's a recruiting element to it. You can go to a, a kid's family and say, these are some of the opportunities you're going to get at Michigan that you might not get other places, thanks to a couple of big-time boosters that are funding it. Uh, we expect these things to continue as well. And it uh, sounds like next year it's going to be domestic, from, from what our sources tell us. Maybe have a military theme, which wouldn't surprise, given uh, Jim Harbaugh's respect for the military. But um, uh, right now, man, to be in South Africa, watching these pictures, certainly jealous. And uh, I don't think they've even, even done the safari yet. I can't wait to see those pictures. Yeah, it's amazing seeing the pictures. Just absolutely beautiful. And again, what a wonderful educational experience it is. But are you surprised some of the other big budget schools uh, haven't tried to uh, to do this uh, kind of a thing? Yeah, a little bit. At the same time, they're probably thinking... Um, Okay, we're just going to, you know, business as usual. And if you look at, like, for example, the SEC, they've got, uh, you know, they, they operate differently. And, and some of the southern schools, and, and they've got their, the way they do things. And uh, probably don't think uh, the way that Jim Harbaugh thinks. And that's what a lot of people say. You know, he's unique in that respect. And, uh, and he wants to do things within the rules. People call this a gray area. I don't think it's a gray area when you clear it with the NCAA and compliance. So... But, you know, so maybe some other schools, um, you know, maybe Big Ten schools and things like that to compete, yeah. But it often it makes me wonder, too, you know, is the NCAA going to close this as well at some point? You know, are they going to look at it and say, well, this is an extra benefit and we can't allow this anymore? And uh, it wouldn't surprise me. So, But the fact that they've been able to do this now, Italy and then France and now South Africa for three years, uh, you know, whatever happens next, man, these kids have ex- had experiences that they'll never forget. Well, let's talk about some of the uh, spring football, some of the stories that uh, came out of spring practice, Chris. Uh, really, this uh, Brandon Peters story came about, I think, on Friday. He entered the transfer portal. Really no surprise there, was it, Chris? No, not at all. And, in fact, we've been hearing rumors for three years, you know, that, okay, uh, he's not happy or so on and so forth. We actually saw some texts that had been sent, you know, when he first got here that we're thinking, you know, and you have to take those with a grain of salt because these are freshmen and they're going to be home sick and things like that. But uh, where it just didn't seem like he was all that happy and his body language, everything else. And we're not disparaging the kid. He's a, he's a good kid. Um, but is he the kind of kid that is going to lead you to a Big Ten championship? Is, is he the kind of leader that uh, that you need at a, at a at a place like Michigan and uh, and our kids following him is is he outgoing enough to to carry a team uh, at that at the most critical position and be a Big Ten championship quarterback? It never appeared to be the case, and the writing was on the wall, especially this spring when Jim Harbaugh and last fall when Jim Harbaugh was talking about his quarterbacks and Brandon Peters was rarely mentioned uh, behind the big three: Shea Patterson, Dylan McCaffrey, and Joe Milton. So. Um, 
it's one of those things where a change of scenery might do him good, but here's the thing. The kid leaves here with his degree, right, having graduated early, and he's going to be a graduate transfer. It looks like he's going to be able to play two years immediately at the next school of his choice, which is uh, which is great for him. So it's a win-win situation for everybody, and we wish the kid nothing but success. Spring practice wrapped up a couple of weeks ago, Chris, and is always the case, it's hard to take away much because we don't see much. But from what we saw from the Josh Gaddis offense was really that scrimmage is really all we saw. Do you, are you excited about the direction of that offense? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things, too, is that you, you don't know because you haven't seen a lot of the players. There were about five or six kids, key players, that we weren't able to see, including at the running back position. So when you're out there watching a scrimmage with guys that aren't going to be carrying the ball in the fall and you're wondering how they're doing against this offense or this defense, that Don Brown puts out there and, and how it's going to look in the fall when you've got a freshman like Zach Charbonnet in there, uh, Christian Turner, the redshirt freshman running. So which, what you could see is some of the elements of the run-pass option offense that, that Josh Gaddis has implemented and really putting the ball in the hands of the quarterbacks a little bit more. We saw Shea Patterson uh, uh, really displaying his ability there by the end of the by the end of the spring. He had a, a tough start by all accounts from everything that we'd heard, but by the end of it, he was really throwing the ball well and was one of those guys that you're saying, okay, is this going to be the year that he really takes it to another level, which is exciting because he had a really good first year last year, if you look at it. So Dylan McCaffrey is a guy with his feet, man. I'll, I'll go way back and remind some people of Rick Leach, the way that he his his ability not just to run but when to run and and knowing where to go and, and how to get there. So it's pretty exciting. But uh, we don't know because they didn't tackle a lot. Um, we did see, the, we did see the, the passing game thrive at times. Sean McCune is a guy at tight end who looks like he's primed for, for a great senior year, really got better. Kalik Hudson, Michigan's outstanding senior linebacker, went up to Josh Gaddis early in the year and, and to Sharon Moore, the tight ends coach, and he said this kid – is playing at a different level. He's really improved. So uh, you can tell, sense the excitement in the receivers and in the quarterbacks and, and in the guys on offense that, okay, we are really going to go up-tempo and we're really going to try uh, to score as many points as possible. Not that they weren't before, but we're talking about an offense that is geared to win games if they have to, you know, 40 to, to 25, 40 to 30 or whatever. And, uh, and I think that excites a lot of people. Well, many of my listeners seem to be skeptical still when they hear Josh Gaddis mm-hmm. is uh, going to be running the show on offense and calling the plays. Uh, Jim has said it over and over, though. That is the case. And it, unless something changes, that is how it's going to be, isn't it, Chris? And it's how it's been, absolutely. And, uh, and he made it clear to him. He said, look, because he was in such high demand, Josh Gaddis, you know, and playing devil's advocate here, Josh Gaddis has never called plays before. You know, he's been a, a co-offensive coordinator at all Alabama, and he had a bright future. Nick Saban, a head coach at Alabama, was really distraught to lose him and, and angry about it, frankly. He kind of laid into him a little bit. But, you know what, this was an opportunity that Gaddis couldn't pass up, especially when he was guaranteed that he was going to be given the keys. And that's how it played out in the spring. It would take something completely out of nowhere for Jim Harbaugh to come in and say, okay, well, you know, let's, we did this all spring and, and thanks for that, but now we're going to go in a different direction. That's just not going to happen. And it's not that Jim Harbaugh doesn't understand what Josh Gaddis is doing. Um, however, you know, to give him the keys and, and then take him back wouldn't make any sense. So this is Josh Gaddis's offense with plenty of input from Jim Harbaugh and every other coach. And, and Gaddis said that this spring. He said, this is not Josh Gaddis's offense. This is everybody's offense. He said, I'm getting input from, from a bunch of different people. And we're excited about it. I've got a uh, I've got a feeling, Mike, that uh, that you're really going to see 
uh, a lot of a lot more points put up on the board this fall, and uh, they've got a lot of weapons at wide receiver, and uh, and Gaddis is going to be a big reason for that. Well, the defense over on the other side we know has lost a lot of talent, especially on that defensive line. Do you see that? as the biggest area of concern coming out of spring practice, Chris? One of the two. The running backs are number one, in my opinion, just because you don't have a guy there that's really proven, and it's such a critical position, okay? Uh, not just running the ball, but pass blocking, for example. Um, that, to me, was right up there with the interior defensive line. I love the ends. I still think Pay, for example, uh, Don Brown, Michigan's defensive coordinator, said this kid might be the one of the most technically one of the best players one of the best defensive linemen in the country and he said he has no concerns about him whatsoever and Don Brown's not prone to hyperbole when he says that about a player you usually see him take that next step and I think we're going to see that from Quiddy Pay. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson on the other side I think is going to be fantastic this is a kid who gets Michigan his dad was an All-American here he's a sophomore now He's bigger and stronger. A couple small things he still needs to work on with his footwork. But it's really that interior defensive line that everybody was worried about when you've got guys like Brian Monet leaving. And uh, But you do have some guys that have stepped up. And uh, you've got a kid in Mike Dwumfer who's going to be coming back who took made a huge leap last year, was hurt early in spring, but has really come back on strong. And Donovan Jeter is the guy that's probably improved his stock more than anybody. kid who came in here as a defensive end who had a lot of promise um, suffered a knee injury right away and then struggled to get back to that level. But he's bulked up. He's now 308 pounds and uh, and playing extremely well in there. Don Brown cited him as another one of those guys that really upped his game. But still got to find a couple of guys behind him. Mozzie Smith, the true freshman, is one of the strongest guys on the team already. He's got a ways to go in terms of technique and learning how to play hard on every down. That's pretty typical of a freshman. And then you got another one coming in and Chris Hinton that I think is going to have to play early. And his dad, Chris Hinton Sr., played at Northwestern and played in the pros for a long time. This is a kid, in my opinion, that's going to come in as a college-ready guy. Uh, how quickly he picks things up is, and uh, how much strength he can add is going to determine how much he plays. But they're going to have bodies there, but it's going to really come down to, is this a, the kind of a line that can hold up against the, the Wisconsin's? And how are they going to do against Army, for example, when they come in here with that that option offense that uh, that's really going to determine how this season goes. So uh, long, a long-winded answer, Mike. Yes, I do think that is definitely one of the major concerns on this team going into the fall. Well, you know, overall, Don Brown not changing his defensive philosophy. There was a lot of uh, angst after the Ohio State game saying, you know, why didn't we adjust? Why didn't we have a better game plan? But one of the interesting things coming out of spring is Don Brown did incorporate some zone schemes. Yeah, and he has before, uh, and a little bit more now. And uh, the the best part about that, in my opinion, um, the best thing he said was that he's never had a, uh, since he's been at Michigan now, going into his fourth year, he's never had a back seven be as in, as in tune with each other as these guys are. So there are different things they can do when guys have played together for three years that maybe they couldn't have done a couple of years ago. And uh, they all understand each other and where they're supposed to go and what they're supposed to do. So, And you go back and look at it. I, I was watching some of some highlights of Don Brown's first couple of years at Michigan, and some of the biggest plays came when Michigan was playing zone. 
Um, I remember an interception in the Penn State game that was the result of, of switching it up and, and going to zone. So, But those are some things that you're going to have to do uh, against some elite teams like Ohio State that took advantage of Michigan's slower secondary at times last year. And, and it wasn't just scheme against Ohio State, and I think that's one of the things that people don't really understand is that guys made mistakes that they hadn't made all year. And it's it's like Ohio State's in their head the way that – Michigan was in Ohio State's head when John Cooper was at, at Ohio State. They just don't play well enough in that game, and they make critical mistakes at critical times that, that cost them big plays and things snowball, and uh, that just can't happen in games like that. But uh, I have no no doubt in my mind that Don Brown will uh, will adjust, and uh, we saw him do it against Penn State uh, the year that after he was embarrassed by Penn State, giving up 42 points, I believe it was, down there, comes back and and his defense has an outstanding game. So that's one thing that Don Brown does extremely well is rebounds from uh, from embarrassing losses the following year. And one one more thing, Mike, that people have to remember is that the last couple of years, Don Brown's defenses have played extremely well against Ohio State, probably as well as just about anybody in the country in limiting a high-powered offense uh, behind Dwayne Haskins. And, and in my opinion, Ohio State takes a step back this year. I would expect uh, Don Brown to have something – in store for Ohio State and, and really redeem himself this year. With us on our game day segment this week is Wolverine.com editor Chris Ballas uh, talking football. And let's switch gears and talk some Michigan hoops now, Chris. Uh, we know Charles Matthews and Jordan Poole are staying in the draft. Uh, and I- Iggy Brasdakis, not so sure right now, given he's he is the highest rated of the three Michigan players who might go, would you at all be surprised if he does come back? I would be a little surprised. I'll be honest with you. And talking to him after he declared, uh, we looked at him, and uh, and you could tell that this kid was really excited about the opportunity to go to the NBA. And whether it's an agent in his ear or his family or whatever, uh, he seems to have his mind set on the next level. And it's unfortunate. I think if he came back for one more year, he would follow that path of a Trey Burke and a Nick Stauskas where they're Big Ten Players of the Year. In Trey Burke's case, he was National Player of the Year really improve his stock, probably be a top 15 guy, and uh, and leave a legacy here, not just as that guy that looked at Michigan as a stopover and, okay, you know, I did my one year here and now I'm gone and I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, I'm not saying that there's an obligation to the program, especially if you're going to be a top 10 or 15 pick, but if you look at a program, for example, like Michigan State, and these guys are staying, if, if they're on the fence, you know, these guys want to help the program reach that next level. Uh, listening to Cassius Winston, for example, uh, talk about Michigan State and uh, and how he's got unfinished business to win a national championship. This is a kid that he didn't even test the waters, and I'm not saying that he's going to be a great pro or that would have been the right move for him, but it was first and foremost, you know, what can I do to help this program? And I'm not saying that if if Ignis Brasdakis, for example, has a great combine, which is certainly possible, and elevates his stock where he's going to be in the top 15 or whatever in the country, even top 25, you know, then it probably makes sense for him to give it a shot but you'd love to see him come back but right now um you know especially with an agent in his ear and that's another thing that john beeline said mike he said you know it's going to be interesting to see how many kids with agents come back because the agents are the ones that really have something to lose in this whole thing you know they lose their clients uh there's no guarantee they're going to re-sign them you know if they come back so it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out but uh we'd love to see him come back because they're certainly going to be hurting at two guard if uh, if Brasdakis leaves, having lost Jordan Poole as well. Yeah, and as far as Jordan Poole goes, you know, some say he's not ready. Others say, why not go? And unless he makes a big impression at the Combine, it doesn't look like he's going to be drafted, though, Chris, does it? 
maybe second round, and uh, you know he could go out there and tear it up and, and shoot the ball extremely well. And uh, but you know what the, the the thing is, Mike, he had to go at that point. By the end of the year, it had become pretty clear that he was dissatisfied with his role. Uh, which is unbelievable if you look at the way the, the first 17 games of the year went and how great they were playing in terms of team ball. Uh, but then you had guys, okay, am I going to get mine? And and that can't uh, that can't be the case on a John Beeline team if you want to win. And it's amazing this team had 30 30 wins this year, and uh, by the end of the year they weren't playing as well, but they were still you know winning road games at Maryland, winning road games at Minnesota, were a better player too from Jordan Poole away from winning the Big Ten Tournament Championship. Uh, he played poorly in all three Michigan State games, and, and not to put it all on him, but was a, was a big reason. If he'd played well in any of those three games and played the way that they were playing early in the year, they could have won at least two out of those three games. So um, I, we'll see what happens with him and, and wish him well. I love the kid, man. Talking to him and interviewing him over the last couple of years has been fantastic. But um, I don't think there's any question that – he could have benefited had he been all in with one more year here, and uh, but he wasn't, so that means uh, it's time to go. Well, if Iggy stays in the draft, and we've talked about that, I think he probably uh, will. We're going to have two openings. I think it's two. And we just missed on yep. Justin Pierce, the transfer from William & Mary. He went to North Carolina. He was uh, the most sought-after transfer uh, this offseason. Are there any other four- or five-year guys, transfer players, we're seriously looking at right now? Yeah, Javon Cumberland, uh, from what we understand, is going to visit. He's from Oakland University, and he's a grad transfer and should be visiting this weekend, as a matter of fact. Um, he's visited Oregon. This is a kid that shot 39.9% from three-point range, and his cousin was Jerron Cumberland, a kid that Michigan recruited out of Ohio who went to Cincinnati. So they're familiar with him. Saudi Washington recruited him when he was at uh, Oakland. So um, solid player. Yeah, Oregon looked at him. He visited Purdue. Purdue took a different kid, uh, a different grad transfer. So, um, But it's close to home. He knows Saudi Washington. And, it, you know, they're not look, just looking for bodies. They're looking for contributors. And I think this kid has the, the potential to do that. Justin Pierce, uh, without a question, was their number one player on the board. But they need – they need a two guard. Eli Brooks right now would probably be penciled in as your starter at the two. Love to see him have a great summer and come back with the same level of confidence that we used to see him play with. That's the big deal with him is is confidence. This kid can shoot the lights out in practice. Uh, for some reason in games, he lost his confidence the last couple of years. He showed signs of it at the end of last year, but uh, he's a guy that if he takes a, a huge leap, which we've seen with, with John Beeline teams, guys kind of come out of nowhere and and really elevate their games, then uh, would certainly pay off. But they need depth at that position, and I think Cumberland uh, is a guy that you hope uh, if he visits, you know, you're still got Oregon to worry about because of that visit out there, and a lot, they get a lot of kids that from the Midwest out to Oregon. But uh, that's a kid that could certainly come in and, and provide some depth. Well, we don't know what's going to happen in the end. We could lose all three of them. It'll be disappointing. But you know, those are the times we live in. And I guess all I can say is thank goodness we have Coach B. I'm not sure how he's going to do it this time, but I just would never bet against him retooling this team and having them right back in Big Ten contention, Chris. That's the thing. Uh, you look at the last couple of years, they lost three starters, essentially, from both of those teams, and everybody's like, well, they were due for a huge step back. When D.J. Wilson went to the draft, I know that John Beeline was a little disheartened about that, thinking, man, we've got a team that could probably go 
deep and to make a deep run in a tournament, guess what? They went to the NCAA championship game anyway. Uh, and, and yes, they got a good draw, but they won the big 10 tournament. They were playing as well as anybody by the end of the year, didn't shoot extremely well in that tournament, uh, and still made it to the final, uh, before getting beat by Villanova. So, and then this year, same thing, you know, um, this past season, you know, what's going to happen when we lose our three best shooters, they were saying, and, and they had guys step up and they win 30 games. They set a, a record, I think, with what 26, if I'm not mistaken, 26 regular season wins, which is uh, which is unbelievable. So uh, didn't win a championship, and that's the disappointment when when you're not hanging a banner. But I asked Beeline about that. I said, what does it say about where the program is when you win 30 games and you're still somewhat disappointed at the end of the year? And he said, exactly, man. He said we were kind of right where we want to be in that sense. But what I feel bad about, man, is that here he is, you know, traveling the globe and, and having to recruit another kid that they're looking at. Franz Wagner is Mo Wagner's little brother. And, and uh, John Beeline went over to Germany to look at him. That's a kid who could contribute as a freshman if he decides to come over here this fall rather than stay and play pro with his Elba Berlin team. But, you know, this guy coming off double heart surgery, uh, double bypass heart surgery is now tra- traveling the globe looking for kids when you thought, okay, this roster is going to be set for at least another year. That's what makes me feel bad about it. But I have no doubt with them, right there with you, whether it's a guy like Cole Badgema out of Washington, a two guard who could come in, he's really skinny, but maybe he can be Nick Stauskas light for a year. Uh, they've got a great nucleus to build on with Isaiah Livers and Xavier Simpson, John Teske. So this team's going to be just fine no matter who they bring in. It'll be an interesting off season, so we'll just see uh, what happens here in the coming weeks and months. Let's take uh, just a few minutes um, before we wrap it up here, Chris, talk about some of the other things going on. In Michigan softball, Carol Hutchins and her team, we took three from Maryland over the weekend. Uh, got some help, yes, from Minnesota, and taking two or three yep. from Northwestern, and voila. Another Big Ten championship. Just amazing, it's crazy. isn't it? It is amazing. And everybody's like, well, they're beating on bottom feeders and they're, you know, whatever. I don't care. 22-1 and one in the Big Ten, I think it is, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. And and it doesn't matter who you're beating. It's tough to do. And, and watching the way they do it, I think, what, two or three games in the last three weeks where they've come back in late innings and, and maybe scored three or four runs to win games is remarkable. And that's what championship teams do. But that's what Hutchins teams have done every year. Uh, you know, they, they instill this confidence that, hey, you're going to play until the last out and we're going to find a way to win. And you can just see the confidence. And it's, it's unbelievable what this program has done under her. I hope she's around for another 20 years. I know that's a lot to ask, but man, <laughs> it is so fun to watch. And, uh, and going into the Big Ten tournament, uh, they're going to have a great opportunity. Right now, it's, all, it's about, uh, hey, if they can if they can win the Big Ten tournament and, uh, and and do so in con- convincing fashion, can they host a regional? And I think at, at one point early in the season, a lot of people wouldn't have thought that was possible. So uh, you got to give them credit. Uh, it certainly doesn't surprise me, and I'm sure it doesn't surprise you either, buddy. No, it doesn't. What does impress me, though, about this year's run, Chris, is uh, the Big Ten has some very, very good teams right now. We couldn't say that you know, yep. over the last decade. But when you look at Northwestern, I mean, all year I, I was watching Northwestern saying, wow, I mean, how, how did yep. they get this good? And then you had Indiana, Ohio State was very good. There were plenty of others. When you walked on the diamond, there was not a gimme in the entire conference season. So you go 22-1 and one against a very yep. good Big Ten. That says something. It really does. And, and that's the expectation. There are programs 
uh, and you hate to say it, like Ohio State football now, you know, where, okay, they take the field and they expect to win championships. Uh, Michigan State basketball, you know, it's the same way. Uh, as much as you hate to say it, being the two rivals, uh, Michigan softball is right there with them. That is the expectation. And uh, they say it at the beginning of the year, and and that's where you hope. That's where you hope that Michigan football gets back to, and, and I think that a lot of people expect them to get back to under Jim Harbaugh. It's just taking a little bit longer, but what she's done there, uh, Jerry Hanlon and Bo Schembechler used to call Hutch the best coach on campus, and uh, and you can certainly see why. Absolutely, and uh, you know, right now heading into the Big Ten tournament, it's in Bloomington. We play on Friday. The bats are humming. That's the big difference from you know February and March and April. I mean, we're hitting, but all along, the straw that stirs the drink is our left-handed pitcher, Megan Bobian. So I feel real good about the tournament and what we're going to do in the NCAA because of her. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and you need that, right? You, you have to have that that one uh, that one ace and that one starter that uh, that can carry you a little bit, kind of like having a hot goalie in hockey, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's certainly going to be uh, going to be the case. But fun to watch, man. It's crazy, isn't it? How uh, how far softball has come and you're watching it on tv you get as i know some fans get as nervous watching a, a ncaa softball game as they do you know watching a michigan football game now and and it's fun there's no question about it could be an exciting couple of weeks and we'll see what happens once again we want to thank chris ballas uh, for joining us always a pleasure editor at the wolverine.com so chris uh, enjoy some summer and the next time we chat i think it's going to be uh, about an upcoming opponent and the football season it'll be here before you know it buddy enjoy your summer and, and really appreciate you having me quick hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on the michigan man on wolverine sports radio a member of the v sporto network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, in case you wondered where we were last week, I'll remind you again we're on our summer schedule from now until August, which means two shows a month. This is the way we've done it for the last 10 years so that we can enjoy a bit of summer and get our batteries recharged for football season. Our next show is going to be on May 22nd, and we plan on having Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports with us to update the recruiting scene. A reminder, our free show app is available from iTunes and the Google Play stores. You can also hear us on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeart, and Stitcher. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to review or comment on the program. We do thank you in advance for that. That will do it for now. Once again, our next show will publish on May 22nd, and our scheduled guest is Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. So until then, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!